We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast for part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason, Pat, and Jason. We're going to be talking about the Bulls at Summer League once again. And we have a special guest with us. It's Chris Amundsen, the co-founder of Swish Theory, former Bulls podcaster at Bulls 101. Uh, Chris is one of my favorite follows on I guess we'll call it Bulls Twitter. I feel so corny saying Bulls Twitter, <laughs> but of the people who tweet about the Bulls, Chris is one of my faves. So we're super jacked up to have Chris on, and Chris was in Las Vegas, so we'll get to him in a second. But Chase, uh, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm uh, doing all right. Summer League literally just ended like 10 minutes ago. The Cleveland Cavaliers are your 2023 Summer League champs. Uh, apparently they're getting sick. Did they always do championship rings for summer league? Because they got some sick championship rings. Uh, you got Emily Bates out here, like pulling LeBron James, Cleveland. This is for you. Uh, it's whatever. It's summer league. They can have some fun out there in Vegas. But uh, so it just ended finally after what ten days in Vegas, and there were obviously some summer league before that too, and some of those other places. But uh, the Bulls wrapped up their summer league. Uh, what was that Saturday Sunday? I totally forgot. It was our last podcast? We were like. Oh, we think they're going to be done after four games. And then, of course, they had a fifth game that we just completely forgot about that they have like a consolation game. If they don't make the semifinals, which they didn't, uh, we recorded after they had played three games. They lost their fourth game to the Summer League champion Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, they kind of fell apart down the stretch uh, and lost. And then they won their last game. Dale and Terry had his best game of the summer in game five against a, I believe that was against the Wizards and against a Wizards team that like wasn't playing anybody. So, I guess good for Dale and Terry for hitting four of th- five three pointers after not being able to make anything all summer. Uh, and so the Bulls finished three and two uh, f- for their summer. Obviously, we talked a lot about what happened last on their first three games. Uh, again, Dalen finished stronger after he really struggled to start. Uh, the, the final numbers still weren't great for him uh, with the shooting percentages around like 33, 34%. Uh, I do know the, the Bulls' Twitter account, I feel like, was trolling after a while. It was like every single 
post featured Dale and Terry in it. I was just like, they have to be, know that Bulls Bulls Twitter is just like ripping on Dale and Terry for his awful summer leagues because every damn post is about him. Uh, but he did finish better. So it was good to see that it wasn't like a total disaster. Uh, I know whatever it's summer league. We're not going to, I don't want to make any grand just statements about him. I know there was, I was getting into some arguments with some people online, about because he was playing very poorly uh, again, not going to say the guy's done toast, but as we talked about in our last pod, some red flags there with just his performance. Again, he finished better though. Uh, Javon Freeman Liberty had another, uh, huge game. I believe he finished on, did he finish on the first or second summer league team? Do you guys remember second, second summer league team? Oh yeah. So like he was awesome and he had another just finished strong as well. We'll talk about more about him and just like if his chances of maybe making the rock, the final roster, at least deserves at least a camp invite. I would think. Uh, unless I guess someone else could come scoop him up because he really just had an outstanding summer just in general. So it was really uh, fun to see him play really well. Again, summer of DePaul continuing. But uh, yeah, before we get to Chris here, Ricky, any final kind of leftover thoughts from you on Bulls summer, uh, the the summer Bulls, as we like to call them? Not too much. Uh, you know, the one thing I was going to note is that Hoops Hype does a stack called Global Rating. And in this that Javon Freeman Liberty was the second best player in all of summer league behind Miami heat, big man, Orlando Robinson, who will certainly be popping off for like 25 point playoff games because he is an undrafted free agent on the Miami heat. And there might actually be a spot for him. Cause I think the heat lost Omar Yurt seven over the off season. They got Thomas Bryant uh, as a potential backup five, but anyways, Orlando Robinson, if summer I think they league signed means him. anything, I think they signed him to yeah, a they, regular contract. Yeah, they, they did sign him. If, yeah. if summer league means anything, he'll probably have a decent run because if anyone could do that, it's the Heat. And it's cool to see Javon Freeman Liberty at number two. Uh, so what a story that was! Just to see him, uh, you know, after he wasn't really on the map. I would say, like coming into summer league at all, like there was really no momentum behind him making the final fifteen man roster and. Uh, go out to Las Vegas and you're one of the best players there. And now suddenly there is some, uh, some excitement about around him and the fact that, you know, we'll see, maybe he will get one of the final three spots. The bulls still have available on the final 15 man roster. So we got Chris joining us. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for hanging with us. I guess my first question is I've never been to summer league. What is summer league like and what was your summer league experience like this year? Thanks for having me on, guys. It's been it's been a while. I love first of all listening to cash considerations. You guys have it's always a cathartic experience to hear you guys like pop off about something that I'm passionate about. <laughs> you guys get me pumped in the car on my way to work. Love it. Or on the way back. So no, it, I appreciate you guys having me on. But summer league is really fun. It's it's such a unique experience because I think most of what we experience as basketball fans is on the television or in interviews, you know, we just see it online. So to be sitting in the stands, like I, I got to sit in the stands for the Saturday Bulls game against the Grizzlies and Gar Foreman was sitting like five people away from me. And Daryl Morey was in front of me, like talking and talking up with some, like some other like league executives. And it's just so weird to, you know, like I walked by and it's like, Celebrities are all over the place, or you know, basketball celebrities. So it's really kind of a surreal experience to just have them there and seemingly available. Like I was walking the concourse and Sham Sharani is like in front of me texting 
and people i'm like it's sean's like <laughs> he's right yeah. here it's just he's a real person he's not just some guy you see on tv so it's it's kind of a it's just a unique experience where, where everyone gets together in one place the whole league for you know for a week usually a few days and people kind of get sick of vegas right <laughs> but i loved it i was there just two days saturday and sunday um got to meet some of our favorite bulls people got to watch some summer bulls and uh just kind of see the hype and and just i don't know it just it's just nice to kind of network and meet people it's a really fun experience i'd highly recommend it if you can afford it because it's <laughs> uh it's expensive to get out there for most people all right so here's my next question chris so you know i'm a stay-at-home blogger as everyone knows and i've been doing <laughs> some stay-at-home blogging about summer league i wrote an article on the seven nba sophomores who proved they're way too good for summer league i wrote the definitive rookie rankings at summer league the top 11 and right now i'm working on you know x number of players it keeps growing i need to like limit myself because no one cares but like six players seven players uh who are sort of like fringe nba guys who prove they deserve a shot on a final 15 man roster after their inspired performance at summer league and yes <laughs> javon freeman liberty is on that list but as I've been going over this article, and clearly I've been researching Orlando Robinson because I know <laughs> way too much about Orlando Robinson right now. He's the first guy on my list. As I've been doing some of this coverage, though, Chris, sometimes I ask myself, does any of this shit even matter? Like, we've all been, like, sort of plugged into the NBA to such a significant degree uh, over the last, you know, five, six, ten, whatever years. And we've watched Summer League come and go. I can think of a few guys whose summer league performance did translate to real basketball. The first one off the top of my head is actually Kyle Kuzma, who was like pretty good as a rookie on that uh, pretty fantastic summer Lakers team way back in the day that I believe had Lonzo and Caruso and Kuzma. Uh, anyways, that's just one off the top of my head. Sick team. Because I've been doing these, these articles. Great team. I've been wondering, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this because people will read the coverage mostly. Um, but does any of this shit actually matter? So as someone who is there up close, do you think that like we can actually take anything away from Javon Freeman Liberty or Orlando Robinson or Max Christie? Uh, any any like true standouts? Do you think we could take anything away from those performances? Does Summer League actually matter? It it matters in it depends on what context you're looking for. If you're looking for just um like what if you're looking for Hey, who's going to score a lot of points? You know, who's going to shoot certain percentages? I don't think summer league is really going to help you. There's such a small sample size that you're really not getting a great view of of what a player can or can't do from a shooting aspect. Um, it's also certain positions tend to do better in summer league. Like shoot happy guards tend to <laughs> tend to do really well, and like big men who need the ball, like who need to be set up to get you know their points are often often kind of underwhelming. So. What I look at at summer league when I when I go there when I'm watching I'm looking at not what they shot but how does the player get to their spots what kind of shots are they taking are they taking off the dribble are they are they you know movement shooters are they just catch and shoot how are they getting to their spots you know when I'm looking at big men it's like look at their positioning on defense their footwork so I think there's some things you can take from it, it depends on what you're looking for but for me it's it's more about what's the process behind the result rather than the result itself. And if you, I think if you focus on that, you can glean some things. You often see players in different roles than they would be on their teams. Like we saw Patrick Williams in a very on ball role 
in his one summer league appearance. And, you know, you just kind of get a different flavor. We saw Dalen Terry in that role this year, you know, playing a lot on ball and then he played a lot off ball in different quarters just to kind of give different looks to him and, and see what he can do and what he can't do. So yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, it is a really small sample size. You're not going to get a whole lot, but you just kind of get little glimpses of what a player can or can't do in that context. And keep writing your articles that I've been clicking on them. You know, I, I <laughs> that the people love it, but it's it doesn't have a, a whole lot of value outside of kind of that context, in my opinion. I say people want to read about their young guys. People love their young players. They always think their young players are going to be great. Uh, so people want to read about those young guys. So absolutely, keep writing those articles, Ricky. Uh, you're good at it. And yeah, uh, so in terms of whatever, like stuff translating, and you talk about different roles and stuff. So I feel like the Freeman Liberty stuff kind of comes into play here because he was whatever. He had doing a lot of whatever lead guard stuff uh, mm-hmm. and was obviously like big time scoring wise. And of course, like if he whatever makes the ro- the Bulls roster, like not going to be his spot. But I think Ricky was talking last time about how it could just be nice to have a guy like at the end of the bench who can just kind of go get some buckets for you. Uh, so what did you make of Javon Freeman Liberty? It's just like star turn in summer league. And if whatever, should you think he should make the team? Do you think he should get a camp invite? Would you give him guaranteed contract? Was get with bulls of what three spots left? And we can talk more about those last three spots and what they should do. But just him specifically, do you think yeah. it's real? Do you think he deserves a spot or what do you think the bulls should do with him? I mean, I was really impressed by him. He, I, I agree with you, Jason, that it, I've still been looking because I do GMing at home, obviously. Yeah. Um, I've, I feel like the Bulls still need a really steady playmaker. The, the only real playmaker the Bulls have on the roster is DeMar DeRozan at this point. Um, you know, like Kobe and Zach can do some stuff with the ball. Um, Caruso can do some stuff with the ball, but none of them are really steady, set you up type of playmakers on a consistent basis. And what Javon does is he can play that role. We saw him do that. We saw him set up a lot of teammates. But what he also does is he can play off ball. He can shoot. He he just seems like a really you know connective piece that he could play off ball really easily. We saw him next to Dalen Terry uh, with Dalen kind of as the lead ball handler. And I think he kind of thrived in both roles and he shot it well. And, you know, he's he's from the area. As, as we know, that's always, always matters the to the Bulls. He's got a house in the area. Uh, he played on the Windy City Bulls. And... No, so I think that transition for him going from Windy City to the Chicago Bulls would be a little bit easier than than maybe someone from outside. I think he's earned a spot on a team, and I think the Bulls have an opportunity given their cap situation. And they still got. I know. I know there are two way spots. We have Sonogo that is for sure there, but I know the other two are kind of up for grabs. Maybe Terry's on one of them, or, or I think it, Terry was on one of them, but. And then we've got the two extra roster spots as well. So I'd prefer on the two-way if we can get him. Um, but, you know, he wouldn't be – there's a lot worse we've had as 15th guys on the roster, honestly. Um, Marco. Uh, salute to Marco Simonovich, who's finally off the Bulls. You guys, you guys know, I've included him in every trade, fake trade scenario for like the last year and a half that I, that I put in our, our little Bulls DM. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a long – it's an era – that's uh RIP Skypoint yeah, Marco. <laughs> um, hey, he took um who did he take with him back to Europe? He took he took someone else on the Bulls back to Europe. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I I, I can't remember who it is. I'm I'm losing the joke. This is terrible <laughs> podcast content, but 
Yeah. Um, All right. Well, while you search for that joke, I'll uh, I'll give you a thought (laughs) that's been popping in my head lately about Javon Freeman Liberty. So I've said it on this pod a couple of times. I want Io back. I think that Io has proved himself as a legitimately good defensive guard. I believe last year finished in the 77th percentile on EPM defensively. The problem with Io is that his second year offensive production slipped from his rookie year. Um. Maybe he shot over his head as a rookie. Maybe, uh, you know, he was just, for whatever reason, just, you know, just playing above his means a little bit as a rookie offensively. But I think more likely, uh, you know, the the truth lies somewhere in the middle of where Iowa was offensively between his rookie year and his second year. So I would love to get Iowa back. Uh, ideally, if they could get Io back on a multi-year deal at an annual salary lower than the qualifying offer, which is $5 million per year, I think that would probably be, uh, you know, the best for the Bulls. But when I think about Freeman Liberty compared to Io, I've been thinking a couple things. One, they're about the exact same size. Io's listed at 6'5 with a 6'9 wingspan. Freeman Liberty 6'4 with a 6'9 wingspan. So I followed Freeman Liberty a long time just because he was like a heroic high school player in the Chicago area, played for Whitney Young High School, which is like the big high school in the city. That's where Quentin Richardson went. That's where Julia Locafor went. Uh, And from his time out of Whitney Young to he originally committed to Valpo, I always thought of him as a defensive first guard. He was like a big guard who put up massive steal rates in college. You go look at his like college stats. It was like a three and a half percent steal rate, a four percent steal rate in his two years at Valpo, I think. So I always thought of him as a defensive first guard. Then he transferred to DePaul and he was the best player on DePaul. Definitely his second season, maybe for both years. I think he was even second team all big East, which is a pretty solid accomplishment. Uh, in his final year at Paul. So slowly, Javon Freeman Liberty's bag offensively started to develop. And when you look at, okay, why did this guy go to Valpo out of high school originally when he was like, you know, a state champion as a junior at the biggest high school in the city? Uh, like what was sort of the knock on? So I would say the knock on him is one, he's just not like a blinding athlete and he was never a great shooter. So obviously, like, you can't really improve your athleticism. Even when I was watching uh, him in summer league for the Bulls, like, he would get to the rim, but there were a lot of, like, crafty under-the-rim finishes. It's not, like, jumping off one foot and yamming it on the guy. But I think the skill development as both a handler and a shooter has lifted him to a spot where, like, he really can possibly be, like, a developmental creator bent for you. And when I compare him to Io, I think... There's a chance that Freeman Liberty could give you around the same defensive aptitude that IO can give you with potentially more offense. Because, like, even if IO is to, like, you know, rise up to do better than his second year in the league offensively. Uh, I still think Io is just a little bit limited by both his lack of popper on the rim, uh, sort of like a pretty rudimentary handle. Io is not really going to break you down. And I'm not sure if Io is like really that great of a shot maker. Uh, so I like Io. I want to bring Io back. But I do think I'm trying to talk myself into this. Like, could Freeman Liberty give you 90% of what Io gives you defensively? But 
30 or 40 percent more offensively i'm just like making that number off the top of my head what does that even mean 30 percent more offensively but like i think he'd be a potentially a better offensive guard than io because he's got that bag he's got a little bit of uh of offensive creation ability the ability to score in one-on-one situations so how do you guys feel about that i'm just tossing out that observation dude do you think i'm crazy when i say that do you think that freeman liberty and io are sort of reductive on the roster we don't need them both uh do you want io back I'm throwing a lot of topics out here but uh sort of piece <laughs> together those io freeman liberty thoughts i mean i would also like io back i, I agree with you ricky it, it would be nice if we could get a multi-year deal that's less than the qualifying um even if it's back on the qualifying offer i, I still would rather have him back than maybe some of the, some of the other options i do think they still need another four or five on the roster. Uh, I know I've been, you know, saying Christian Wood might be a, a flyer there, but he he might have a couple different different landing spots. But I do think there's a place on the roster for Io as far as the comp to Javon, I I think Io probably has at this point I would say given their age and given their production so far, I do think that Io has more of a versatile defensive aptitude than than Javon does. I would I would give I would give Io the, the edge on that. And Io's shown to be pretty effective on defense at the NBA level as well. But the trade-off there might be worth it. And the reason why is because I, I think Io's skill set on defense isn't as necessary. I mean we've you know started to get rid of these guys. We had too many of them last year. We had Javante Green, we had Derek Jones Jr. and we had Io kind of all filling this can't shoot, but you know can kind of Go play multiple positions defensively type of players. I think Iowa's perfect just to have if we don't have the other two guys, which it sounds like you know they're 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 gone. And and I loved having them here, and they were great players. But the the mold of the team needs to change. They need to change their shot profile. Obviously, bringing Javon Carter and Tory Craig will help that um, without really giving up any defense. So I think we've improved there. And I know we'll get to the you know the offseason moves later, but. I do think that you can you can more afford to have a more offensive shooting off ball, um, you know, as you said, get a little bit more juice in the shot making department with Javon. So I think if they wanted to make that gamble, I would probably take it. I still think I'd rather have both of them if I had the choice. But if it's the choice between one or the other at this point, we've got a lot of guards. You know, I'd, I'd almost lean towards the one that I think can make a more offensive impact this year but it's a tough it's a tough call because you know a year ago we were thinking hey let's get you know let's trade kobe white and and sign io to a multi-year deal and now it's like the complete opposite opposite. things change all the time in the nba and especially these young players that don't get a ton of playing time you just never know how it's going to work out so that would be my take today you know july 17th but like that could change by the beginning of the season or halfway through the season. It's it's tough to say, but I do think Javon has earned a spot on the roster if if they if they want to give it to him. Yeah, I mean, you, and you look at the rest of the roster too. And we we'll talk about Dalen and Julian Phillips, but again, those are two more guard guys who can't really shoot. So, like yep. again, just like how many of those guys can you really have? Uh, but but then the other thing is just like yeah, who else are they going to bring in instead? Like you mentioned, Christian Wood. Uh, it sounds like Dallas could be looking to sign trades. I know the Lakers have been rumored there. I know he is also whatever for his production out there. It seems like no one likes him that he's just kind of a, whatever, a locker room issue. 
bad attitude, but he's like, whatever. This guy's like a big man who can shoot threes and averages like 15, 20 points per game, but like nobody wants him above the minimum. Uh, it's weird. Like, I would like, I, yeah, it is weird. Like, I would certainly, I'd be fine taking a game on Christian Wood if he was willing to come for the minimum because, again, as I do think the Bulls could use some more size, they could use another like bigger wing if, if as well. Uh, but like, who are those guys out there that uh, I haven't looked at some of these deep guys that are still available, like who's that you can even fill out the roster with. So like, if it is Javon Freeman, Liberty, IO and like whatever, one or two other guys, maybe it is a big man. Uh, they also have what? I mean, they have Justin Lewis on. I think he's got a two way. The two way thing is really weird. Sonogo's definitely yeah. got one. I feel like I saw someone tweeting about like that situation. I think Lewis might have one. Taylor, I think, is like a two way, like restricted guy. I don't know if he's actually signed as yet. Like, but like, I don't know. So, but it seems like those, like those two way things are still kind of up in the air. Like you mentioned, there were those reports about that, like Turkish dude. Who, I don't know what's going yeah. on with that. Uh, if, he, if that was just like a total BS, but uh, so yeah, like, I'm not even sure who else is really out there where I'd be like, I would definitely like take this guy over whatever having ION Freeman Liberty. We talked last week about giving Nate Darling a, a possible roster spot <laughs> just for the shooting, uh, just for like a straight gunner. Because uh, he had some nice moments in summer league, he did tail off a bit there at the end as well. Uh, I know I tweeted about like I think it was in that Cavs game, like he was having another good game, and then like he missed like his last four or five threes down the yeah. stretch. I was like, fuck, of course I jinxed this guy. <laughs> uh, but I mean, we still, yeah, you talk about just changing the shot profile and just can't have that many guys on the team. So like, ultimately, I'd be fine probably having both IO and JFL on on the team again. It's just the options at this point probably aren't going to be like. Huge difference makers, but like, I guess we'll see what's still out there if they could do anything creative. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, so I agree with you, Chris, about wanting a third big man on the roster. I was going to bring that up on this podcast. So you know, right now it's basically Vooch and Drummond, and then they have Sonogo on a two-way deal. I like Sonogo. Sonogo is just an automatic finisher inside. I think that that's like yeah. his secret skill is that he is a great finisher. He's also like six foot eight. So is he going to be able to finish over NBA length in games that count? We will see, but he is very strong. He was, you know, the best player on the national championship team in college basketball last year. And I think he shot 81% from the field for the summer bulls over their last three games in Las Vegas, all of those encouraging things. Uh, And Christian Wood, I mean, would just be totally amazing. I think that he's like a starting caliber player. And to be able to get him on a minimum deal would be unreal. I do not think that's going to happen because like, as of right now, there's not really a role for him unless the bulls were going to mothball Drummond. Uh, But I was thinking about some other guys they could pick up both Hernan Gomez brothers currently unsigned. I forget which one's like, did they go back to Europe? I I feel like they signed in Europe or I thought I saw something. Did they sign in Europe? Okay. I thought I I saw one of them did, but I I might be full of shit. I might be thinking of somebody else, but I thought I saw Hernan Gomez sign in Europe thing, but go ahead. Okay. Well, I'm just thinking like, you know, what should we do? Like, do you think the Bulls should sign a third? Here we go. Sorry. The roster. Willie Hernan Gomez signed with Barcelona three-year deal. And then the other one was the one in the movie. Juan. I'm not sure about Juan. Yeah. Juancho. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Wancho was better, is better. I don't know. I, I think confused, he's but he's been more productive the last few years for sure. So give me Wancho, baby. Whatever, uh, whatever his <laughs> Bo Cruz, was that his name in Hustle? <laughs> yeah. So uh 
So that's just one idea I'm throwing out there. I also think, you know, like last year's center depth wasn't a huge problem because Vooch played 82 games, but we were super insured center-wise with both Marco and Tony Bradley <laughs> on the roster up until the trade deadline. Uh, but, you know, can they really risk, like, is Vooch going to play 82 games again? Like, probably not. Like, that was pretty much a that was like a contract year outlier in my opinion though maybe Vooch will be durable because you know he doesn't jump much and I think most guys get hurt jumping and he's been relatively durable but like not like I mean that was the first time I think he's played 82 because I think he had reached 80 like one other time in his career but I mean playing 82 games in a season at this point is very just rare in general so like yeah you probably have to assume at least a few missed games here and there coming up even if he just seems it would seem odd to me to have a 15-man roster to keep two centers, like two actual big men. Now, you know, maybe Terry Taylor gets one of those spots and he can play some small ball center. I'm sure Pat's going to play some center. I'm sure Craig's going to play some center. But yeah, any thoughts on uh, should the Bulls carry a third center? And do you have any other names besides for Christian Wood, who I don't Man. view as a realistic candidate? Yeah, that's it's tough because I would like one. I would like another, ideally like a four or five. And Christian Wood is, I think, ideally can play both of those positions pretty well, especially offensively. He's uh, he's pretty versatile. It's it's I don't have any names off the top of my head, but I think what you what you want is someone that has a different skill set than than Drummond and Vooch. That you want them more. I think offensively focused, it would be nice to have someone that can shoot a little bit where you can play some five out lineups. I know Vooch can shoot or he has, he shot at least right before we traded for him <laughs> really well. And as it sits, but as I still think like Christian Wood was, would be a really good guy. I mean, I'm going to see if I can pull. Oh, by the way, I found who my other guy was. It's Yago Dos Santos, who was on the Bulls. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's going, he's the one going to Europe with Marcos. So congrats to Yago. Well, I guess um, I'd, PJ Washington would be nice, but I feel like there's just like that's not realistic at all. Yeah. Sounds like he's going to play on the qualifying offer. I'm looking at the like the hoops hype list right now of free agents, and it's like Christian Wood is at the, at the four. Christian Wood is number one. PJ Washington number two, and then we're number three. We have like Jim Michael Green, who's probably washed. Wenyan Gabriel, Blake Griffin, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Trendon Watford, Taj Gibson, Morris Brother. Frank Kaminsky, Frank the Tank, and then you look at the centers, and it's real dire. Uh, get like Myers Leonard, uh, give him another chance. Uh, like we have like Biombo, uh, Willie Hernan Gomez, Serge Ibaka, washed. Dwayne Dedman, washed. Boban, Nerlens Noel, year seven. I believe Ricky mentioned year seven earlier. Myers Leonard. Yeah, he with the Jazz, I thought. Oh, I did thought he? Okay. Yeah, this that. isn't. This was updated like a week ago. Tristan Thompson is on this list for fuck's sake. Uh, so it's like it is pretty dire. We do have the right BAE now. available again. You know, we want <laughs> yeah, to bring yeah. a little Tristan Thompson back. He's <laughs> part, of, part of the biannual exception again. Yeah. Like, no PJ reason. would be like a really interesting option. They just have nothing to get get him with. Like just he's restricted. Uh he'll it sounds like he's gonna sign the qualifying offer. And like if anything, the Bulls would give him. Like they can't the Bulls can't really use we have not brought up how they the Bulls got got their Lonzo exception, which is ten point two million. But of course, they have that luxury tax issues. They can only use that for like a one year deal, whether it's a trade trade or a signing. So like like using that on a guy like PJ Washington just like probably won't matter. They could, I guess, use it on like a one year deal for Christian Wood. But the Bulls going into the tax to pay Christian Wood however much 
sounds really hilarious. And, and I mean, they could also just use the mid-level to sign him. Like they have a few su- ways that they could use a uh, pay at Christian Wood more than the minimum, but it does not seem like he's going to get more than the minimum. And does, I feel like the bulls just like, aren't the type of team right now to like give that to him, given his supposed locker room struggles. Like, they're talking about building a winning culture here, and it seems like just Christian Wood has worn out his welcome. Again, I would be willing to give him the chance just because the Bulls need more talent. They need more shooting, and he's a big man who could shoot threes, and they could use that skill. But, I, yeah, I think we all agree that it's probably unlikely. So, yeah, some of those names. Is the names Michael, this is not great. Go ahead. Is Michael Green still available? Yeah, he was he one of the names. Almost here. It yeah, seems like he's that. washed. Okay. Or, but, like, as a third center, yeah. I guess, like... He's oh, like what six, about seven though? Isn't what he? about Trendon Watford? Is he, he just Again, he more, got cut really by the Blazers? Center. Right? No, I'm. It's, he's like a four though. He's like a, bring he's Taj a back. You could bring Taj back. He was. <laughs> I saw another another like article today about how much he loved his time with yeah, the Bulls. He, his, he did an interview with somebody, and then he was just talking about it. Warm my heart. Yeah. Love Taj. He's great. That was, that was the Bulls I fell in love with. Right? You guys know that. Right. So of course. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Anyways. the worst iteration of the team <laughs> somehow is what I fell in love with, and it's been yeah, all happiness since. We miss, we miss them. Uh, anyways, yeah. So, like, I think we all agree that they could use more size. It was, it was, it was uh, they had, they had a lot of size last year, just not usable and not playable size. And now they just like, uh, we know Billy loves playing a lot of guards and smaller lineups. So like, maybe it just won't be a big deal. But again, if Vooch does get hurt, or if he misses any time, and like they have to rely, rely on Drummond and Small, like uh, maybe they just use Sonogo. I don't know. Maybe they use one of these other guys, but uh, we'll see. Let's move I think on. Sonogo, yeah, go ahead. Could be a good insurance policy if uh, if Vooch misses two weeks or something. But any or Drummond. But anyways, yeah, yeah, we can move on. And I actually, you know. Summer League, how much more can we really talk about it? How much more can we really dissect what we saw? So I, I think let's like change change the topic of conversation here to just the main. We don't roster. want to ask him about Dalen. Did you want to talk about Dalen, Chris? You got any Dalen takes? <laughs> My only Dalen about Dalen after summer. League? It's about the same. Are you totally out? Do you think he should be cut? <laughs> no, I just. I mean, he played like 300 minutes in the NBA last year. He barely played in the G League. What the man needs is a lot of time to develop. Play him in the G League. And he's right. Just play him in the G League. He's not going to get a lot of time on this team. I just don't think he's going to get a lot of time. It was what I told you guys. He's got a lot of tools, but he's very inconsistent. And the things that he's bad at are really bad for the Bulls right now, which is he can't finish at the rim at all. He just looks wild. He just he gets to the rim really easily, but he doesn't really know what to do when he's there. His efficiency is just not there. He's got some nice – he reminds me actually of Troy Brown Jr. in a sense where he's a good secondary playmaker, especially in transition. He can move the ball. He gets to the rim really well. Um, you know, he's a, he's, he's a toolsy defender. But the difference is, you know, Troy Brown Jr. could hit the corner three pretty well, and he could finish at the rim. He was actually a pretty good finisher. And, and Dalen just doesn't have those yet. And so I don't really have an argument for playing Dalen in the regular season. He needs reps, but I just don't see where he's going to get those minutes at this point, especially with now you got Torrey Craig on the roster. Yeah. So you got to play him in the G League. If you're you you picked him at 18, there were a lot of guys five ahead of him and five back that you know I think a lot of people would have rather had Christian Brown is like the big one. Or or Kessler. Like there's just Kessler guys. There's you know, Beauchamp. Like there's a lot of guys out there that that people liked more. But if you if you have a first round talent. And you think he's a first round talent, you gotta develop him 
in some way. If it's not on the Bulls, put him in Windy City Bulls. Yeah. Let him get reps. Let him work through all the issues because he's he's young. He's still got talent. He's still. I, I do think his 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 elite skill or potential elite skill is that kind of passing and defensive versatility combo. He's not amazing at either one of them, but I, I can see him being a really good connector and kind of like multi-positional defender down the line. But the the flaws are massive right now, and he just doesn't have the consistency to take advantage of his strengths. So, you know, as I told you guys, like I'm I am all about like giving young guys time yeah. and being kind of like the apologist for for giving young guys more reps. But for Dalen, I, I don't have a lot to argue for at this point without without more consistency. So yeah, one thing I, that's, that's I my noticed opinion. about Dalen that gives me a little bit of hope is he's he's pretty good at igniting transition. And I think mm-hmm. like that yes. is something that would really benefit the Bulls when we talk about like all the ways Dalen Terry is not a good fit for the current roster. I think like the Bulls were just so slow last season. They really missed Lonzo's ability to get them out in transition. And that is something Terry could potentially bring. I also think. You know, Terry hypothetically is a nice fit next to Levine in the backcourt because he's so big, he's so long, he's a six seven guard with a seven two wingspan, and someone who can handle the ball and pass the ball. That you know, you could see how that's the sort of player you would want next to Zach long term. Obviously, the issues with Terry though is that he's just not very athletic going to the rim. I would say that's the most disappointing thing I've seen. Just like anecdotally, eye test, he doesn't have a lot of pop around the basket in terms of finishing. So that's an issue. Uh, obviously kind of hopeless as a shooter, even his makes in the last game, it just doesn't look good, but they got the shooting coach now, Patton. I think Dalen needs to be, you know, his primary assignment right there with Patrick Williams, maybe with IO too, uh, to see like, you know, can they get Dalen shooting at an NBA level? And then the other thing that really makes him unplayable right now is just his off-ball defense is so bad. His on-ball defense is really good. His off-ball defense, he just looks like he can't like process the game at a professional level yet. So fully agree Mm -hmm. with everything Chris said there. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Last quick, Julian Phillips, any takes on Julian Phillips, the the trade into the draft to take him, uh, and then anything you saw in Summer League? Yeah, I mean it's hard to say what the value is there. You you did see some second round picks being moved for actual like productive NBA players uh this offseason. So you kind of wonder if there's a missed opportunity for the cost. But I, I like the play from just in a vacuum of you know trading trading for talent that you think is is gonna be worthwhile. Now Phillips rates really highly as a potential like really nice defender, multi-positional defender. And you can kind of see those things. Like he, he definitely needs. He's a project. He needs a lot of work. But you can see the defensive aptitude there. I thought his shot, the mechanics looked pretty good. His stance was pretty wide and and kind of like you can see it would take. He has to be just in the right stance, right? To yeah. Get to that shot. <laughs> the, the shot looks pretty good, but it's just the those mechanics. Uh, the foot, the footwork needs a little bit of work. But um, you know, he's pretty active on the glass, which was nice to see. Um, you know, he's, it's, he's a second round pick. Um, unleash him and Dalen in the G League. Windy City right. both. Dalen and right. Julian Phillips. Have him unleash hell uh, on the wing with those two guys and just like right. let him rip. <laughs> because there's, you're not going to, with defensive upside guys, you're not going to get like a great look in summer. Like summer league is just not the yeah. event for those yeah. types of guys. So I don't know. Um, unless you're like so springy that you're just blocking shots off the backboard all the time. But <laughs> I, I do think he's got potential. He's young. Like, you know, 
give him time. That's all my take. Yeah. yeah, just give him time. Just yeah. give him time and reps, and and uh, you know, check back in a year or two. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I think we should uh, transition this to just the big picture state of the team right now. Yeah. Because Bulls made some moves in the offseason. I personally like their additions. I think Javon Carter and Tory Craig will make them better. But at the end of the day, the headline note from this Bulls offseason is Bulls running back. They're keeping this team intact. Uh, they re-signed Vooch to a three-year deal, $60 million. No team option. Only guaranteed. At the end of that. Which really would have been nice, but Julian Phillips got his team, got a team option though. Thank you to that <laughs> second round exception, four year deal, team option. So an actual team option for a Bulls player. I, I think I did like a new CBA the, uh, rule. <laughs> I did like that Julian Phillips contract, even though I didn't like the pick at the time. So we'll see how that one pans out. But just like current state of the team, Chris, uh, how do you feel like should they have just blown this thing up? Should they have let Vooch go? Should they have traded DeRozan? Like, should they have traded Zach for Tobias Harris in a 2037 <laughs> first round pick? Uh, just like how do you feel about the direction of the team right now? And how do you feel as a fan going into this season? Are you like, well, fuck, I gotta watch these losers again? They're just gonna win 43 games if they have a good season. Or are you like, you know what, I'm kind of jacked up because I think they did address some of their weaknesses. 
Uh, or do you just view this as like, you know, it's a total fucking dead end. Might as well get on with the rebuild already. So just curious, just like where your head is at as a Bulls fan coming into this season. And, you know, just give us the raw, unvarnished truth. No need to sugarcoat it because that's what cash considerations is all about. <laughs> that's right. In the, in the spirit of that, I, you guys know this. I have been on the tear it down train um, since since Lonzo was not was announced to not be going to play last season. To me, that was like, all right, Vooch had a good year. Demar just made it his all star team. Like he had like a renaissance. That was the time to sell high on those guys. I I don't know what to do with this guy because it is what it is. They want to be competitive. Their goal, the Chicago Bulls' goal, stated goal, is to remain competitive and get a few more Ws, right? That That's what Karnaschovas has said over and over again. And at this point, I think we have to take him at his word because everything he said so far, he's, he's eventually done, other than getting shooting and, and rim protection last, last offseason, which he did not do at all. Um, that's what he wants, that he wants. He wants a competitive product. To me, competitive means you're a top-four seed, in your conference with a chance to go, you know, one, two, three rounds or more into the playoffs. To me, that's like a competitive team that you can root for. I don't think we have that. We have the mid three and I call them that not because these individual players are middling. They're all really good players. I mean, they're all-star quality, especially Zach. I think he's way underrated uh, from a national standpoint still, but together those three have been extremely aggressively middling. Uh, they're, they're, the results speak for themselves. They've been extremely healthy. I know that Demar had kind of this thigh issue going into the you know the second half of the season, and obviously Zach had his knee procedure and was kind of had a slow start to the season. But a lot of teams have way worse health, and I think the Bulls were relatively healthy outside of Lonzo Ball missing the whole season, and they continued to be a very average team. And so, to me, it's what is your goal? What is, what is the ultimate thing that you want? If you just want a competitive team, I think they've done a phenomenal job getting a 44, 45 win team that's going to, you know, going to vie for the six to eight seed in the East. You know, and the, and the East is not super, super awesome right now. So, like, you, you can see that there's, you know, there's a puncher's chance of making it out of the first round, maybe. But like, that's really what the ceiling is. And so at this point, I just don't understand what you're doing with the players on your roster. Vooch's contract is fine, but he's not going to get more valuable with age. Right. He's going to get less valuable with age. DeMar's going to either want an extension, which I do not want to give him. He's a great player. I do not want to give him that extension because it just locks us into further mediocrity. Not because he's mediocre, but because the team itself and just the has age. lots of good players. Right. They, they have lots of good players, but they have no way to jump from good to great. They don't have it. They've they've kind of removed their ability to do that at this point. And so to me, it's like, all right, well, let's what assets do you really have? You've got Zach Levine, who's a great player. His contract looks better every day, especially with all these these extensions coming out this year. Especially with Jalen Brown about to sign an incredibly, you know, massive supermax extension. So I think I think Zach continues to have value. I think he'll have value all this year to if you want to make him you know available in trade, which it sounds like they've done. But you you got to get value for Tamar. He's got a lot of value to team still. He's still a really good player. Vooch, you know, you can't trade him for six months because they they extended uh, and re-signed him. I can't remember, an extended 
that's not extend and trade. It's just an extension, right? So yeah, there was some confusion um, about like there, what there the was. deal was with like the the timing of when they can trade him. So yeah, they, they have no intention of trading him like right now. Obviously, correct. Like they're bringing correct. this team back probably uh, and whatever. If it goes bad, maybe they look to trade him at the deadline. But I, I, I don't know about the value. Yeah. My yeah, my issue with the Vooch thing was just whatever three fully guaranteed years. Like Vooch deserves like 20 million a year like, sure in a vacuum but like sure year three even with the cap going up 20 million a year for 35 year old boots just like it's not probably not going to get you back much in a trade at least i wouldn't think unless i don't know maybe yeah. his game will age pretty well but yeah that was my always my issue with that that third year being fully guaranteed for a 35 year old boots even with the cap going up like i just don't think like that, that he's going to have that much value as an impact guy at that point at all and like just like yeah. you, maybe you can trade it but like what are you getting back and I hate I hate being seen as like on Twitter. People tell me occasionally like, "Oh, you're always negative or you're always bashing." Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I want to root for this team. And, and yeah, as you guys said, say I'll too. probably talk myself into the 2023-2024 Bulls. I'll be super hyped. I want them to win as many games as possible because I'm a fan, right? Like, this is what I want. But I just think from a from a vision standpoint, I don't see the vision that they've got. That it sounds like they just want to continue doing what they're doing, which is fine. But eventually these players are going to age out. They're going to lose value. And Zach Levine's not going to want to stick around forever. I mean, if you do the same thing, we go 40 and 42 or going to be 44 and, you know, 30 or 38 or, or 40, whatever it is, like Zach's going to want out. Right. And then you're going to have to trade him. And, it's, you know, so to me, in my mind, I think the Bulls are already rebuilding. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> They just don't know it yet. They don't realize that they're already rebuilding. The further you take this down this path, the more assets you're going to lose and the longer that rebuild's eventually going to take. The product on the floor is probably going to be pretty good this year. Like I'm excited to watch them because it's a good team with good players. I like all these guys. And I think I like the way they fit together more than I do last year. But ultimately, the vision isn't there. I just, I know how this movie ends. There's going to be lots of cool explosions, but I know how the movie ends and I know that it's not going to be, the payoff's not going to be worth it. So that's, that's kind of what we're about. With it. Yeah. In terms of the vision, so, I, I have this quote here from, this is from spot rack from Keith Smith was at summer league, his summer league notebook part two in these comments. This kind of just explains it uh, from, he like talked to a bunch of people from different teams and it was basically, this is from the, his bowl section. We're aware of the criticism about running it back, but we have good players. Are we supposed to throw in the towel? will be a playoff team barring another major injury. I and mean, that's basically it. Like they are happy to be a comp- decently competitive playoff team. Like we have some good players here and that's what they want to be. And that, I mean, that's, that's what the vision is. And like, that's what Jerry Ryan sort of talks about being whatever. It's okay to be whatever second, third or fourth of long whatever, as long as you're kind of there in the mix and like kind of have a chance, everything's all right. And like, again, to a degree, that's fine. But when you do have a team that has some, your good players are like into their 30 mid thirties, and just looking at the situation, that's when it's like, yeah, what exactly are we doing other than just like doing the bare minimum and trying to be an okay playoff team? Maybe you get lucky and win a series. Uh, but that's what that's I mean, that's clearly that's what that's what AK has said. That's what this quote says, that's what their owner says, that's what their that's what their vision is, and like that's their ambition right now. And Ricky talks Ricky talks about it all the time on this pod too. Like their ambition is to be a decent, com- decently competitive playoff team. Championship, not really. We've never really seen them like really strive for that in a long time, uh, and it's it shouldn't be like that as uh, as this market and as this just this franchise with their history that they have. But uh, 
like I'm and we all definitely agree like we wanted to see we I like I'm not like a tank like humper or anything like that like and like this year like I don't want them to tank like the 2024 draft is supposedly not that good rookie knows more about that and like so yeah I'm not gonna be like rooting for them to lose and like definitely just like blow it up and tank this year like but there is obviously just a point where you just have to take it in a different direction so like I wasn't like all gung-ho that they had to like whatever blow it up this year but I, I was pretty clear that it, didn't want to sink new money or new money into like the core that they have. And it seems like they've already done it with Vooch. I do worry about DeMar. I could see them giving DeMar maybe like a two-year extension. I don't think they'd give him the four-year one. Like that would just be crazy. But like, like yeah, two-year one, I guess I could live with. He's earned it. As I've said this, he's earned it. He's been awesome. He's been as everything we could have hoped for and more. But again, giving DeMar two more years just locks you into this core for again. Yeah. Matt, or like if they like match it up with Vooch's contract and it's like, you're just locking it in for longer and like I, I just don't know how much that stuff's gonna be worth in a trade either again like if DeMar has like a three-year extension or two-year extension like I don't know if a team is gonna trade a lot for that if you're if you look to move off of it soon so it's like they had an opportunity here to probably pivot in the last year or so when after Lonzo got hurt as you mentioned Lonzo's not probably never coming back to the Bulls if to the NBA ever but they're just gonna kind of roll ahead here and like you said like Craig and Carter are nice additions those are guys we like targeted as guys that they should add if they're going to go this route. So can't complain. They should make the team better. But it, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just like, where is this all going? And it's probably just the okay competitive possible playoff team, but they might not even make yeah. the playoffs either. I mean, they, they did get, they were, they had the brutal clutch luck last year, but they had the injury look outside Lonzo. So like I'm of the belief that it probably kind of in, equals out and they end up in a similar spot, maybe a little better just because I think Carter and Craig, probably do help them but vegas like some of the lines out there, the preseason lines have them at like 37 38 that's crazy not me. not good like that seems super low but like yeah again that could be taking into account maybe the bulls do look to change direction if they do with like the zach rumors out there maybe the, the injury stuff and so who knows <laughs> who knows man I'm, I I'm and I'm definitely going to talk myself into the team being better this year just <laughs> because i don't want to go into the year just like being like miserable uh was that just like just no way to be a fan and just be constantly miserable about the team. But so I'll talk myself into them probably definitely be hammering that over. Uh maybe probably maybe being a lower end playoff team, but and then hopefully they can surprise us. I guess where I'm at right now is I'm okay with this core for next season. And by okay, I mean like all right, I wasn't super anxious to tank down to being one of the worst teams in the league. And I'm when you talk about like, you know, oh, they should have sold high on DeMar. They should have traded Vooch. I guess like as I've gotten older, I've just realized that like until we have like concrete information to go off of, like I don't know what DeMar DeRozan's value actually is to other teams. And you can say that both about his trade value in terms of what teams will give up for him. And like, let's say he repeats his performance from last year. What's his value on the free agent market? Like who is who else is getting ready to pay DeMar DeRozan $30 million a year? Would he even get $15 million a year? Like, I really don't know. He's a good player. There's no doubt about that. He's great at a lot of things. He has very defined strengths and weaknesses to his skill set. But it's tough for me to sit here as a podcaster and say, well, they should have traded DeMar DeRozan when his value was at the highest. Because I don't know what that means. Like, you know, maybe it would have worked out great. Maybe they could have got a 2027 Lakers first round pick for DeMar. And that would have been the more prudent long-term path for the team. Uh, but I just don't know. So I think like I would have liked to trade 
traded to DeMar at the peak of his value at last season's trade deadline. They sort of missed that window. And so now they're running it back. They have a couple improvements. We'll see how much they help the team. I'm of the belief that they were pretty good additions in Torrey Craig and Javon Carter. But the thing is, what what happens if this doesn't reach the best case scenario? And let's say that best case scenario is the sixth seed and a competitive first round series. Maybe they win it. Maybe they don't. But like, what if they fall short of that? What if they're the eight seed and get swept? What if they're the nine seed and miss Playing, the playoffs? Yeah. They've put themselves in a position now where this really can't be the last year of this group. Because you already locked Vucin for two more seasons after this upcoming one. Vuce is not going to be a player that other teams are going to want to have at $20 million a year. Like, I think that's already sort of an untradeable contract because there's just not a lot of teams that need a center with what he can bring. And he's older. And unless he has like a major shooting renaissance, which I think is definitely part of the best case scenario for the bulls. He jumped up from like 31 to 35 last year in terms of three point percentage. Can he get up to 37 and a half? If he can do that, I think, you know, that would help the bulls tick up a few more wins possibly. uh, If, you know, other things also continue to go right, but yeah, they're in a spot where like, if the best case scenario doesn't hit. All right. So now you got Vooch. And he's probably going to not be movable uh, until the last year of his deal. He's on an expiring. And then DeMar, like they've kind of painted themselves into a corner with DeMar where they're just going to bid against themselves because they bid against themselves to retain Vooch. And it's hard for me to imagine that they would pay to retain Vooch and then let DeMar walk. Uh, I think the more likely scenario is like Jason said, he'll probably get a two year extension and they're probably, you know, Going to just say, okay, DeMar, here's your value according to what someone with these numbers should be valued at at this point in their career. They're not going to be like, okay, DeMar, like get an offer from the Sixers, get an offer from the Clippers. No, I think that they're just going to probably lock him up most likely before that. So I'm fine with this team for next year. I don't want this team a year after that and a year after that. And then that's when it gets really depressing. And uh, I don't know like what they could have gotten for these guys to sell them off as just spare parts, but it does seem like it's pointing to, for whatever reason, them like getting rid of Zach as the one guy because he is the biggest salary. It's the easiest way for them to ensure that they accomplish their main goal, which is to stay under the luxury tax while still fielding a competitive team. So while I'm excited about this year, I still think like, what is their next move? What is their next pivot? Because these guys are just starting to age out. It would be different if DeMar was 28, but DeMar is 34. Right. And that just changes the tenor of everything. Chris, you had your hand up. So go ahead. Chat, chat. Uh, no, I mean, I agree with you. It's I've heard a lot this offseason that Zach is the person that the Bulls are motivated to move. They value him highly, which they should. They, they should do that. And Clearly, they haven't found the offer that they want because they would have moved him, maybe. But they want to remain competitive and move Zach, which to me makes the least sense of all paths. It's <laughs> just like, let's remove the ceiling completely. Because Zach is not a floor raiser. I think he's a ceiling raiser. I think he he's a guy, if you have a MVP candidate or like a top 10 guy, you have Zach as your secondary guy. 
he is, I think he's a perfect fit there. I mean, him next to Luca or next to Embiid or next to, you know, Giannis, like I think would be really, really awesome. But Zach wants to be the guy. He always has wanted to do that. And a lot of, and a lot of NBA guys in his position kind of have that mindset, which is good. Um, but the Bulls have never really kind of vibed with him uh, at the end of the day. And to me, it's like, you're, the reason why I wanted to move, and I think I said this on Twitter when the, the Vooch trade or the Vooch uh, signing happened, I said this is a massive mistake. And a lot of people took that as me not wanting, uh, me not liking the Vooch contract or or not liking Vooch himself. But it's more of just that the direction is locking him, locking ourselves into that same direction. You're locking yourself into Vooch. Rick, as you said, what's DeMar's real value at this point? Are they just going to lock him up? For the next year and next year and and where does that end up and at that point moving zach they've kind of painted themselves into this corner where now moving zach is the best way to remain competitive because it's easy to build a 35 to 41 team it's really easy to do that like it's extremely easy to be mediocre (laughs) um it does not take you know significant or sophisticated gming to do that but they can reach they can Kind of replenish their asset base by trading Zach, and I think that's kind of what their their thought is: is hey, we'll we'll stay on the map because they I think they do see the problem. Like they're not they're not blind to this. Maybe they're not considering all of the like the spectrum of outcomes that they could have. Maybe they're not considering hey, this could go really well, and we saw how well it went when it all worked really well together in the beginning of the twenty twenty one season. But then they didn't consider if Lonzo goes down, it all goes to crap. Or if Vooch goes down, or if Demar gets hurt, like now we don't have a ball handler on the team. I, there's such a low ceiling with this, but you know, I, I just they, I know that they've thought about the scenario. Uh, I I just don't think they've done anything. They they did basically two years of nothing after putting right. themselves in this position. They did two years of nothing, and now we're at the point where Ricky's fear, which is continuing to have this team next year. And the year after that, like at some point, it's got to end. That's why I say, like, they don't have to do a full teardown. As you guys said, like, the 2024 draft is not super hot. And then the 2025 draft, we've got a top 10 protected pick to the Spurs. I don't know what the, I don't know what the outcome is, but you got to change the tenor of the team. You got to change the ceiling of the team. And to do that, you have to replenish your assets. You have to develop your young talent. And to me, like, that's the easy answer. Is a put the ball in Kobe Pat's hands. If you want to keep Zach, I think he'd be fine to keep. Uh, if you want to move him later, but you got to kind of just you got to reset your direction if you want to have a future. But I know we we've beaten this horse to death. Not you know not just on podcasts like but online. I don't really know what else to do at this point uh, other than talk myself into this team because I, I don't you know this is all we have left is is hope that these guys reach the highest outcome that that we can hope for um because anything less than that it's going to be a really tough season like if if tomorrow or zach goes down or Vuce goes down it's going to be a really really rough season really quickly and or we're even not going to be Javon left carter goes down well or even if kobe yes. goes down you know I like know. they did have it's so fragile it, it's it's yeah. the all the pieces have to be available and fit together really well for it to work and to me they've they've built the opposite way you should what you should do is you get two-way stars, stars that play both ends really well. And then you get lots of role players that you can be specialists around them. So if you lose a specialist or two, you're, you're okay. But the Bulls have three specialist 
all-stars on their roster, guys that do some things really, really well, but have clear deficiencies in their game. And so they rely so much on perfect role players to, to fill in the gaps, guys like Caruso, guys like Lonzo, Javon Carter. And so when one of those guys goes, goes down, it's so much more damaging to the team because the stars just aren't good enough or they don't fit together well enough. They just, they, they've built from the, they built the opposite way. They've, they've, <laughs> they flipped the pyramid on its, on its head to me in team building. And to me, like the team building is such that, yeah, it all worked really well together when it all worked well together. But the ultimate problem is the stars are not good enough and there's, and they need a specific team around them. And if you don't have those guys, or if those guys go down, the whole ceiling crumbles, you know, it's like, it's gone. So, and that's what we've seen. We saw it with Lonzo and, if it happens again this year, it's going to be a really miserable season. <laughs> so <laughs> I just go ahead, Jace. I was going to say you brought up Pat and Kobe, and like if we are looking for any upside, and like and you're talking about role guys around them, Chris. I know you are one of our resident Pat apologist guys, <laughs> sure. uh, whatever we want, we want to call you here. But I guess with them running it back and with the roster they have right now, do you see Pat and Kobe able? to raise the ceiling of this roster and kind of becoming their best selves. I know like with Pat, it's probably impossible. Just, I mean, just like we've seen him just, he does not with all these other, whatever, higher, high volume ball handler guys are just, uh, just like, he does not, like wherever he, he's really improved his three point shot, which is great. He's a good defensive player, but like, obviously the, the criticisms would be just, he doesn't whatever, take enough shots mm-hmm. kind of just still floats sometimes too often. Doesn't rebound one of blah, 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 blah. So like, as a Pat guy, what do you envision from him this season? Can he help really like raise the ceiling of the team? I guess Kobe as well. Kobe got a new contract. Uh, pretty good contract. I think we all agree for what he became last season. Uh, he developed, I think clearly got better. Uh, so those two guys, especially starting with Pat, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think Pat, um, I think his development is coming along nicely. I mean, he basically missed almost all of his second year. He missed 65 games his second year and he just, Tacked a little bit on the front and the back end of that. But you saw what's happened. They put him in the role where they, hey, take a lot of threes and defend on the perimeter. And he's done, he's taken strides in both those areas. He's continued to be a 41% shooter. He doubled the shooting volume from three, maintained that efficiency. And I thought his on ball defense, especially, is really, really good right now. His off ball defense is improving. It still needs work. And I think his screen navigation as well. His his body type is such that I don't think screen navigation is ever going to be like a real strong point for him. But I do think he's made improvements there. And overall, I'd say he's a positive defender, especially if you've got him guarding bigger forwards. And that's that's a premium position. Like people want guys who can guard Jason Tatum, Giannis, LeBron, like the Kawhi, those types of big forwards. I think I think Pat does a reasonably good job on all of those guys, and he's obviously had that assignment since the moment he got in the league. Um. So I think if he continues to do exactly what he's doing, I think he can have a positive impact on this team. If he's a three and D six, seven, six, eight wing, like that's a really talented, or that's a really valuable position to have. The bulls need that. Every team in the league needs that kind of guy. I think if they ever decide to trade Patrick, uh, I think a lot of teams would be interested in that archetype. So I, I think he has value there. He clearly has untapped potential as a, as you know, t- to have the ball in his hands more to score more, Part of that is a lack of aggressiveness on this part. Part of it is the roster construction. You know, which one is really the one holding them back? You know, we don't, we won't find out until we, until Demar and Zach are maybe off the team, right? Um, but I do think he's got a lot of potential to be a really, really 
solid role player if he continues down this path. And I think he has, I do think he has star upside if he got the right opportunity. I don't know if he'll ever get that opportunity. Um, but even if he is just what he is now, I think he can have a, a really positive impact on the team. And I'll say the same for Kobe. Kobe improved so much last year in all the little areas. The, my criticism of Kobe the first few years is if he's not scoring the ball, what is he doing for you? Is he is he hurting you in every other area? And and I think he was, but his defensive intensity picked up. His screen navigation got way better. His transition defense got way better. I think overall he was probably a net positive on that end, which. Given what he was the first couple of years is a massive win for the Bulls. Massive win for the Bulls and for Kobe, obviously. I think he's deserved that contract. I think he's probably going to be underpaid really soon. Um, he shot really well. We need his shooting. He's you know, you know he can get him up. I think his ball handling has improved. Like he's absolutely a great guard to have on your team for that price. Very movable contract. I just don't think there's any downside to having him on that contract. And the Bulls clearly need what he provides. So I think both of them can be really important cogs in the machine. Um, you know, but the stars have to play right. at the level they've been playing and they have to be healthy in order for that to really matter in, in you know, in the season's context. One other pad question. Do you think he signs an extension this off season? And what, if he does, uh, what, what would, what do you think is a fair deal for him? I hope he, I, if I'm, a, if I'm the GM of the bulls, I hope he does. Um, because I think people would be, I mean, we saw what Deandre Hunter got, and I think DeAndre Hunter's kind of, I think Pat at this point has shown a lot more to me um, from a three and D standpoint than, than DeAndre Hunter has. I know DeAndre Hunter's had a lot of injuries and stuff, but you know, the Hawks are trying to move that contract. Yeah. Um, I think in that range, I mean, like a $20 million per year, like if, if you have a six, eight, three and D wing in the league, that's, that's really young, has a lot of potential. Like that's a valuable contract. And I think second contracts are, probably the best gamble among any of those contracts if they've shown anything in that rookie in that rookie stretch. And I think Pat's shown enough that even if he never develops anymore and he just gets really good at being a three and three, a D guy, I think he's gonna, probably going to be worth 20 million a year. You we know, just, with the new, we just saw Isaiah yeah. Stewart get four sixty four from the Pistons. And like, yep. I feel like I remember watching that French, the, the Paris game. And I feel like Isaiah Stewart was just spending the entire game missing layups and his number. Like I didn't watch a lot of Pistons. So like, I've, I have no like actual yeah. opinion on Isaiah. A very Stewart, different like, player than Pat, but yeah. 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 But, just, but yeah, that's, just, uh, you know, rookie. I think that was like their, uh, uh, Pistons, like first, like rookie second, like extension they've given in like a really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but four, I've met 16 million a year for him. And I feel like, no one really thinks of like Isaiah Stewart. It's like that you just have to yeah. get used to these numbers uh, with the cap going up. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, because yeah, whatever. I think it was Keith Smith who threw out five years, a hundred million. You can go five years now yeah. on less than rookie, uh, less than max contracts on these rookie extensions now. So yeah, I am curious if Pat would like. I mean, five that'd be pretty fair for him. Like it, whatever, mm-hmm. if he went, if he hit the market next year, like with another year playing with the same team, like I, I I wonder how much like more he'd be valued on the market. So like if you're locking in five for a hundred or whatever, right now, I'm curious. I don't think we've really seen any reports about any negotiations there. Right. So it's been pretty quiet no. on that front. So like, yeah. I am curious what the bulls are offering uh, there. Uh, we'll see if that, that obviously they got the rest of the summer to negotiate here, but uh, yeah, like I'd be fine with that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm much more of a skeptic of him. Uh, but I mean, with again the cap going up, and he is still so young. I'm like, that's just the thing with that was again the thing with the Vooch and Demar. They just they're, they're older. With Pat, you're at least paying for. He has shown some stuff, and there's just the upside mm-hmm. there. And 
with the cap going up, paying Patrick Williams 20 million a year for his 22, 23, 24. Like I'm fine with that as opposed to paying Vooch 20 million a year for year 35. Like it's the big, it's the difference there between upside and future, whatever uh, production versus these guys on the decline of their career. It's to me, it's that spectrum of outcomes. If, if Pat does not improve at all, he might, I mean, in, in four years, he, he might be worth 20 million just, just with what he does right now, yeah. if he just continues to get better at that only, yeah, you know, so it's really, as you said, it's his age, like 22 through 26 season. Like that's, that's, that's when you want to develop and yeah. uh, have those guys like that's, uh, and even if it doesn't work out, there's another team that's going to be like, oh man, yeah, maybe we system, can give him a bigger opportunity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I just don't think there's a lot of downside. If you can get him from 15 to 20 million a year, I think that's a no brainer for the Bulls. If I were Pat, I don't know. I mean, it right. depends on how much you believe in yourself. And he's said multiple times he thinks he's a star player. His teammates have said that to him. Uh, he has a lot to show to prove that, obviously. Um, but I don't think that at this point there's any reason that we should lower his his ultimate ceiling other than a lack of opportunity. I think that's kind of the biggest thing yeah. um that would that would limit that ceiling. But I know I'm a little higher on path than most, but I think a lot of people are like, Wow, I, he has approved so much more to be worth 20 million. I'm like, I don't if you look around the league, I don't think I don't think that's really that far out there. Uh, even if he just kind of continues doing what he's doing right now. So that's that's where I'm at with Pat. Um, I'm a, I'm I hope higher, he has a great I'm, year. I'm higher on Pat's floor coming into year four and lower on his ceiling. Like, I don't I think, think I would say that Pat has star potential anymore. And the reason is because he can't really score in terms of consistent. Like he hasn't really had big scoring games in his career. It's basically only happened during quote unquote garbage time of the season. You could look up all the times he scored 20 points in a game in his career. Most of those games have been games when the opposing team isn't really trying. And obviously he missed most of his second year. So that sort of limits the sample size. Obviously he was the youngest player in the NBA as a rookie. And obviously playing with DeRozan, Levine, Vooch sucks up a lot of the available offensive oxygen on the floor. There's only so many opportunities for him. With all of those caveats being said, I think the dumbest type of basketball analysis is like, oh, this guy scores a lot of points per game. So this guy's good. That's obviously not the case. But let me just say, coming into year four, the only stat I care about for Patrick Williams (laughs) is points per game. He averaged nine points a game his first year, nine points a game his second year, 10 points a game his third year. Patrick Williams, if you don't give me at least 13 points per game when you're playing, you know, 30 plus minutes a night, I think that's going to be really disappointing. I'm not asking him to score 20 this year, but can you at least, I mean, like 15 feels like it's asking for too much. So like, can we at least get 13? And then when you sort of like dive deeper into his statistical profile, obviously the first thing that jumps out is that he's a very low volume three point shooter over 40% from three last year, but turned down so many open looks. So I really hope that that's one area where the shooting coach Patton can kind of you know, improve his quickness on the release. If he can make his three-point shot 10% quicker while retaining his accuracy, that could be a huge boon for his offensive development. The thing that sort of bums me out about Pat, though, I've mentioned this on the podcast a few times. I'm repeating some favorite points, but I think he's a very good two-footed leaper and a very poor one-footed leaper. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, when he has big dunks, it's when he has the time to load up off two and finish. But if you're going to be an on-ball creator in the NBA, which is where Patrick's ultimate upside would rest, I think, uh, you got to be able to jump off one. 
And when you jump off one, you got to be able to explode through contact and, you know, attempt to finish. And that's how you get to the free throw line. Patrick Williams has never gotten to the free throw line in his career. I have his finishing stats up right now. Cleaning the glass categorizes him as a big, which is interesting. I I would think he would be categorized as a forward, uh, but only 61% uh, conversion rate at the rim. Not that good for someone who is as big and as strong as Pat and supposedly as athletic as Pat and only took 32% of his field goal attempts at them. Again, not that great. Now, the percentiles on these percentages are a bit skewed because he's categorized as a big, but a 61% mark at the rim is just like not really good enough. And obviously, the dude never got to the free throw line last year. So I'm kind of uh, I like Pat quite a bit. I think that he's already turned into like maybe a B plus on the defensive end. And he's not even 22 years old yet. Like he can still continue to get better shot over 40% from three. Let's quicken that release a little bit. And maybe he can actually be a real shooter. Um, But you know, what the team needs is sort of a high volume three point shooter in that spot who can defend. And it still seems like Pat is most comfortable shooting mid range shots I don't necessarily think that mid-range shots are a horrible thing for Patrick or for any player, but obviously the team just needs like a more volume from three-point range. For their that offense position. stinks. Dead their last offense was bad. Three-point makes, yeah. dead last in three-point attempts, and their offense was 24th, which is pretty close to last. So for me, for Pat, dude, I just need some more points per game. That's like, <laughs> it sounds so stupid, but I would eat, I would rather have him shoot 35% from three and triple his volume, then shoot 44% from three on the same volume. You know what I mean? Like there needs to be more real impact behind some of those percentages. It comes with more volume. That means taking more shots. That means finding a way to get to the basket, finish at the basket, draw free throws. This is what he should be able to do. He's a big, strong man. You're a big, strong man, (laughs) Pat. Get to the basket draw a freaking foul. You should be able to do it. So that's kind of what bothers me a little bit about Pat. The flashes are play flashes, never game flashes. I just want some good games. Can he just score 20 points even like twice a month? Is that too much to ask for, for Patrick Williams to score 20 points twice a month? Because really that hasn't happened throughout his career. Uh, But I do think he's already a damn good defender. And I think he's a very good fit on almost any team because he is that kind of mythical foreman who can give you like the three and D where the D part is some rim protection. We saw him make some strides as a wing stopper last year. I think there's a lot that Patrick Williams brings to the table that contributes to winning basketball. I just am just feeling a little lower on Patrick Williams star potential because of some of the things I outlined. Yeah. Totally fair. Like I'm kind of there with you. Uh, yeah, just with the Bulls' offense stinks. As they, it was bad last year, despite Demar, Vooch, and Zach like all having individual seasons. Having Pat, Kobe, maybe some of these other guys, hopefully with the ma- improve the math uh, issue that they've had and kind of fix some of that with some more of that three point volume. Or Pat, just whatever, doing more with his opportunities, the ones that he gets. He said attacking, finishing, getting to the line more. Uh, maybe they'll be able to be a little better on the offensive glass. The guy, depending on. Uh, I think Tor- it was Tory Craig. I, mean, no, I know Phillips is a good, pretty good offensive rumor. I think Craig does a little bit of that too. Either way, there's so many, there's just ways the Bulls can improve their offense. Pat could be a part of that. Hopefully Kobe is and some of these other guys too. We can probably wrap it up here. We've been going for a while. Uh, I guess, the, Ricky, do you have any other qu- last questions for Chris? Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I got one last question. Go question ahead. Yeah. Chris, Chris, anything else you want to say about the Bulls? 
that we haven't gotten to on this podcast, you want to make some sort of closing statement? Prediction? <laughs> if you're a betting man, you were right just now. in Vegas. If you're right. a betting man. <laughs> prediction, kind of boring. Just like any sort of closing statement. If you uh, want yeah, to give a prediction, fine. do it. On the state of the Bulls. Hmm. I mean, I think you guys have brought up some really good points, especially about Patrick and um, the lack of just that the lack of usage and the lack of taking uh, sometimes not taking advantage of the opportunities he does get really kind of hurts him. But the, the Bulls need the Bulls need a miracle to really get out of the <laughs> spot that they're in. My closing that's my closing statement is <laughs> I I continue to believe in Pat Pat's upside because. I do see flashes. You said, like, Ricky, I think your criticisms are fair, completely fair. Um, but the Bulls really need him <laughs> to become yeah. a lot more than he is in order for them to have any future. And and that's kind of like what I cling to. And, you know, I know it's like, I don't think he's going to be a star. I think he has, I think he has some, some upside there. Uh, but ultimately, the, the Bulls are trending towards the Wizards have been uh, the last decade. And it's not a great spot to be in. I mean, there's maybe worse spots to be in, but not not a lot. Um, they're they're the Knicks with no picks, like that. That's what they are. Like, and they're the older Knicks with no picks is what they are right now. Like the Knicks are like a really solid team, but like Brunson's young and, and Randall's a little older. But like they've got some this core of young guys that have so much promise, and the Bulls just don't and a shit ton of that. picks <laughs> and a lot of picks. They've played it the right way where they've gotten good and they are competitive now. And they have the ability to make a leap to get further. And the Bulls don't have that leap in them unless it comes internally. And there's not a lot of places to find that internally. And like Pat's basically the only guy at this point that has any potential whatsoever to reach that point. I think Kobe could be a really good 10 to 15 year player, rotation guard. Like I think he's shown enough and he's still young enough where he can kind of reach that. But to me, it's like the yeah, Bulls star. need that guy. Then they need a star potential. And Pat's the only guy that shows two-way potential that has any chance of reaching that that level. And that's why they should do something different. They should do something <laughs> different. They should not keep doing this. This is fun to watch. It'll be a nice year as long as everyone's, you know, no one has catastrophic injuries. But the Bulls are never going to get anywhere until they find their two-way guy. And they just have no path to get there at this point until they rebuild and they don't have any intention of doing that anytime soon. So uh, that's, you know, that's why I continue to, to criticize it. Like I praise the moves that I like that I think are important. That I think match a vision of success and the ones that don't, I, I, I criticize. I just, you know, it, it seems black and white to me in a lot of ways. There's so much that's really hard to GM uh, so like, I don't think I could do as good a job as they're doing. I mean, like I'm just a guy on, on a, you know, on my own couch. Um, but there's some other things that you're like, you know, being a professional myself, I'm a lawyer. I always thought as a kid, when you see professionals, they're all so smart. They seem so capable. They seem to know so much more than you. And now that I am one, I kind of realize that that's not really true. <laughs> like in almost any profession, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're a GM for a team, there's good and bad. There's there's people that really know what they're doing. There's people that really don't know what they're doing. And so I've, I've stopped giving the benefit of the doubt, I think, to NBA GMs knowing what they're doing all the time. They have more knowledge than I do. They have more information than I do. But their process sometimes really stinks. 
And I think the Bulls' process has really kind of stunk. And they've done the like nothing years. for a few years. <laughs> That's <laughs> the worst part is they they chose a direction and then they just sat on the road and did nothing instead of moving in the direction. Like at least move in the direction you want to go. They just, yeah. So I do feel like the Bulls are kind of in, there, there's easy ways out of it. It's painful, but it's it's very straightforward to get out of this situation, I think. They need to they need to put themselves in a position to get lucky and get a star. And the way to do that is either through free agency or through draft picks. Like, and that's and and they're not really putting themselves in a position to do either one at this point. And that's that's kind of where that yeah, that's that's where I'm at. It's like it just I don't see the vision of how they're gonna really improve uh, in a long-term standpoint. And until they do, we're gonna be singing the same, you know, Garpaxian type of of of, of yeah. uh, criticisms. And my closing statement on this is, Chris, I think that all sounds wonderful. And as you're saying it, I'm just thinking in my head, this plan would have been a lot better if the Bulls could draft. And I kind of think AK might be like horrible in the draft. (laughs) Like even if they were to have a top pick, they were to have the number six pick this year, they probably would have taken Bilal Kulabli because he fits their mold of a super athletic wing who can't fucking shoot (laughs) and who can't really dribble and doesn't really have basketball skills. And at this point, like, you know, Dalen, Pat, I like Pat, Io, I like Io, Julian Phillips. It just seems like, dude, they need to completely change their entire thought process towards the draft because to this point, the early returns in AK's tenure, he's a bad drafter. And unless Pat makes a big leap, Pat yep. could, could make a big leap and save him, but right now, dude, AK looks real bad in the draft, and it's hard to be a good GM when you're bad in the draft. Maybe well, that's why they've traded all the draft picks. Well, that's the problem is they're <laughs> bad in the draft, and they've lost on the margins. A lot of these deals, they've overpaid for almost everything at this point. Like Caruso is the one like rock-solid deal that they've made at this point. I think Javon Carter has a really good chance to be a rock-solid deal as well. Um, but if you're winning rock solid deals on like your six man, like, and you're losing everything else. And if you don't trust your GM to draft the right people, then you need a new GM. I think at that point, right? Like if you're, if you're not good at trades and you don't trust them to draft, then, then what are we doing here? <laughs> what, what are we doing <laughs> <you> here? Do here? <laughs> oh God. Anyways, this was great, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us. Always love to talk to you. Um, if you want to give anything, a shout out to wrap it up here. Shout out where people could find you on social media, anything else, uh, have at it. Yeah. I'm, I'm at KLA hoops on Twitter. Um, I, I work with, you know, with switch theory, switch theory is awesome. There's lots of cool stuff. If you're not even, if you're a bulls fan, if you're any fan of the NBA, there's some really cool stuff. I do have a piece I've been working on for way too long on Alex Caruso, uh, coming out this summer. If I ever finish it, if I ever edit it, um, but it's it's not necessarily about Caruso himself, but more about the idea of cognitive athleticism on the defensive end and kind of defensive playmaking and what goes into that and why it's so important. So it's something that I really like that that's my style of player is like very high, high level feel defensive players. I always like those guys. Um, so that's coming out, but lots of great stuff from, from people at Swiss Theory. Laro and I are hoping for a return to bulls podcasting this upcoming season nice. is the first to hear that. Um, so maybe look forward to that if you enjoyed that in the first place, <laughs> but otherwise, no, I love, I love, I love hearing you guys. You guys are great. You guys are the mainstays of, of bulls Twitter. So I appreciate all you guys do. 
uh, for us, for the fandom. And obviously appreciate you guys bringing me on the podcast. It's fun. I did not expect to like uh, inadvertently call for AK's job at the end of this. <laughs> you did just do that, didn't you? I love it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky always asks these days, does AK know ball? And obviously the, this offseason has been a little better, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk again, hopefully. over. Obviously, we always talk in DMs and on Twitter and all that fun yeah. stuff. And we'll have to have you on another pod. We're going to probably try to get Laro on at some point, maybe next week or at least sometime this offseason. We'll see. Uh, so, yeah, thank you again, Chris. This was great. It's awesome. Good stuff. That is going to do it for us here on this episode of Cash Considerations, H. Cowboys podcast. Again, we are part of the Blue Wire Network. Shout out to Blue Wire. Tons of great podcasts all across the network. Obviously, we had a bunch of summer league stuff going on here. Now we're heading into kind of the dead time of NBA offseason. I guess there is still whatever the Dame and Harden crap and all that's maybe Pascal Siakam will be traded. So there's still some NBA stuff going on in the summer. We'll see when all that kind of plays out. But uh, heading into NFL training camps, too, there'll be tons of great coverage on Blue Wire with the NFL starting back up and all the other sports we got going on. So shout out to Blue Wire for us here at Cash, please. Rate and review us. Give us those five-star ratings. It helps us out. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Follow Ricky at SB underscore Ricky. Um, I'm also – actually, I'm not – I've signed up for threads and in Blue Sky. I haven't actually done anything on them. I've, I've been on them once, and then I basically haven't been on them since. I'm going to be on Twitter till it dies, so that's going to be me, even though it sucks now. It's so much worse, but whatever. So, again, this has been a great episode of Cash Considerations, Chicago Bulls Podcast. Thanks again for Chris for joining us. We will talk to you guys next time.